This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. The Kadil market in Abuja, Nigeria's prosperous capital, was busy last month despite the country's coronavirus restrictions. Bars, restaurants and hotels are closed. You're not allowed gatherings of more than 50 people in one place. But the traders here continue to work shoulder to shoulder. Customers can pick up a big bowl of tomatoes for around 35p and few people are wearing face masks. Nigeria is Africa's biggest country. 210 million people live there. 0.1% are vaccinated against COVID-19. Across the entire continent of 1.3 billion people, that figure is just 2%. As doctors there fear a third wave of the infection is coming, it may already have started. The World Health Organization says supplies of vaccines have ground to a near halt. I'm absolutely exhausted and sometimes feel as though I'm screaming into an echo chamber and, and yelling into a, into a world that isn't listening. Dr. Eowadi Alakija is Nigerian. She is also the co-chair of the Africa Vaccine Delivery Alliance. It feels like we're in a parallel universe. It feels like we're in a two-tier world where there are haves and have-nots, where my daughter and her friends in the UK are able to be vaccinated before her grandparents in Nigeria. And we need to get the vaccines and we need to get them not just to the countries, but we need to get them into people's arms. Back in March, things were looking good as marching bands in places like Cote d'Ivory welcomed people to newly opened vaccination centres. Deliveries were coming through COVAX, which was set up last year as an international response to ensure an equitable distribution of vaccines around the world. I will not feel it. Yes, Thank you. Okay. In Rwanda, they bought special fridges to store the Pfizer jab at the required minus 70 degrees Celsius. Refrigerated trucks were mobilised to get the injections into every corner of the country. There's a target there to get 60% of the population vaccinated by the end of next year. But they can't do that without the supplies. So just briefly, where, you know, where we are today is that uh, 75% of the world's COVID vaccines have been being distributed in just 10 countries. Alex Harris is the head of global policy at the Wellcome Trust. You know, inequitable access to these tools is, is extending the pandemic and continuing to devastate lives and livelihoods. Um, you know, sadly, it's expected that very soon the death toll for this year to date will overtake that of the entirety of last year. And I'm sure the true figure is likely to be much, much higher. Wow, well, it's a great, great pleasure to the President to welcome you to call. It's a great pleasure to be here. Fantastic to see you. 
Naturally, a global pandemic is topping the agenda at the G7 summit in Cornwall, where Boris Johnson met President Joe Biden in person for the first time. I told the Prime Minister we have something in common. We both married way above our shelter. I'm not going to dissent from that one, but I'm not going to disagree with the President or indeed on anything else. The US had been criticised under Donald Trump for not releasing more vaccine doses to the rest of the world. Just 60 million were promised. Mr Biden has vowed to change that, saying his administration will give around 500 million doses to 100 countries. From the beginning of my presidency, we've been clear-eyed that we need to attack this virus globally as well. This is about our responsibility, our humanitarian obligation to save as many lives as we can, and our responsibility to our values. We value the inherent dignity of all people. In times of trouble, Americans reach out to offer help and offer a helping hand. Shortly after that announcement, Boris Johnson made his own. I think you, you've got to look at what the UK is, is doing overall, because it is colossal. Five million uh, vaccines already uh, by September, uh, 100 million more donated vaccines uh, within the year, within, within the next 12 months. But that's a really only a fraction of the UK effort. Uh, and we hope to be telling you more in the next couple of days about the, the overall G7 contribution, because there's no point in us just vaccinating uh, the UK, uh, we need to vaccinate the world. Those moves are being broadly welcomed by those who have been campaigning for vaccines to be dispatched where they're needed. But there is another problem. These are protesters in South Africa last year, concerned they were being treated as guinea pigs with the arrival of the first vaccines there. I think the role of misinformation, online or offline, as well as social media, um, has exacerbated the problem, the challenge, let's say. Heidi Larson is an American anthropologist and the founding director of the Vaccine Confidence Project. She says Africa has a particular issue with misinformation and it's caused trouble before. In Nigeria and then in Madagascar, there were rumors that the army was coming into the schools for, in Nigeria, it was a monkeypox vaccine and in Madagascar, it was a plague vaccine, neither of which exist. Uh, and there were no army coming in to forcibly vaccinate their children, but a rumor went around. And in both cases, parents were pulling their kids out of the school. They had to stop the school, but it happened like wildfire. So I think that there's a, a different level of uh, anxiety, un undercurrent anxiety, that is more fertile ground for the spread and reaction. The Vaccine Confidence Project is looking at ways to battle misinformation at a grassroots level. It's about working with and listening to people, particularly local leaders, to develop trust. Their work is among those being highlighted by the Evening Standards Vaccine for the World Project, which is being led by journalist and author Rosalind Russell. Vaccine for the World is a new project from the Evening Standard, which will sit on our new Optimist site. It is a year-long project where we want to show why it's important to have a global approach to the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine, what Western countries can do, what the UK can do, and why it's essential that the vaccine is rolled out 
to everybody in the world, not just people in, in wealthy countries. We work pretty much where Africa is in January of this year. We thought we had been through the first wave of the pandemic, that things had settled down. For Dr. Gagandeep Kang in the Christian Medical College in Vellore, India, the consequences of inaction have already been seen. In February, we started to see cases pop up, um, little clusters. We were told that there were new variants emerging, but that they weren't significant problems. And then the cases just kept going and going and going. The variant first identified in India, so-called B1617.2, is still spreading. And the latest estimates are that more than half, and potentially as many as three quarters of all new cases, are now of this variant. That was the emergence of the Delta variant, which has broken out of India and is now the most prevalent in the United Kingdom. It's spreading in other areas. Africa and countries around the world face enormous logistical problems to get vaccines to their populations fast enough before mutations like that begin. But the vaccines do exist, and the spotlight is turning to those countries. Announcements by Joe Biden and Boris Johnson are evidence of that. What happens over the next year will be crucial to how we all recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. And you can follow those developments with Vaccine for the Wild in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. And that's the Leader Podcast. We're back on Monday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.